Welcome to Manager Tools Podcast for Monday, August 15th, 2005. Hi, this is your host, Michael Ozan. Welcome to this week's edition of Manager Tools. If you're a new listener, welcome. Manager Tools is a weekly podcast focused on management skills and techniques to improve your management performance. If you're a returning listener, thanks. As busy managers ourselves, we understand the commitment you've demonstrated by taking this time with us, hoping to learn something meaningful you can take into your leadership role today. Today, we'll be focusing on answering some questions we've received on conducting effective meetings, as well as some follow-up questions we've received on topics of the feedback model and one-on-ones. Hey, Mark, how are you doing? I'm good, Mike. How are you? I'm doing good. Good. Now, not, not everybody knows this, but we've, we've restarted this podcast about five times because I can't get my stuff together. So. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, try, we'll try. It'll this work again. out. It'll yeah. work out. I hope so. I hope so. So, um, hey, we, we promised uh, everybody last time that we were going to have our first two shows on on meetings, and then we we're going to end the, the discussion with um, a review of meetings, one-on-ones, feedback, kind of go through some questions and that folks have had from us uh, had for us yeah. either on email or on the website. So we've gotten some great comments and questions, yeah. Yeah, it's been it's been it's been great. So um, yeah. so let's get right back let's get right into it. Sure. Yeah, somebody asked us about, you know, at the beginning of the um, the uh, meeting agenda we have five minutes for introductions. Right. And somebody asked a question about, you know, whether or not that provided people an excuse to Skip the intros and just show it five minutes late every time. <laughs> That's a great question. The answer is no. First of all, the reason introductions start every meeting is because if somebody's new, you want to make sure that they fit in. They want to know. We want we want them to know everybody else in the room, and we want everybody else in the room to know them. Um, it also does give you a buffer. There's no question. But the reason people are late is because people don't manage their time well, Mike. If you start having meetings that start on time whether it's introductions or not, people will show up on time. In my experience, running thousands of corporate meetings as a manager and as a facilitator, if you start on time, if you have a habit of starting on time, people don't show up five minutes late because they can skip the intros. All too often, the great thing is, the intros only take one minute, and then you're right into the agenda. And so them thinking they can come five minutes late wouldn't work anyway. Certain people can't manage it that precisely anyways. It is so, yeah, Mike, it's so bizarre in corporate America, as sad as it is to say, it is so bizarre for a meeting to start on time that if you start your meetings on time, people will start showing up on time, they will come promptly, and they will know they can leave promptly because you're the only person who does it with a professional attitude. Right. Simple and, as that. Yeah, and people don't show up late because they want to skip the intro. They, they no. show up late because the, the meetings, they don't start five minutes late, they start a half an hour late. Right, you know, exactly. So. Yep. Okay, so talking about time, how about um, doing agendas without times? Yeah, uh, somebody asked, you know, gee, I I put down what we're going to talk about, but I don't put down times for each of the items. I just disagree with that. Now, look, there's all kinds of ways to skin a cat, and I'm sure this subscriber sounded like he had great meetings, so I'm not going to argue with him. I'm just going to say his meetings would probably be more effective, all meetings will be more effective, if you put down times for each of the agenda items. Um, and his comment was interesting. He says, look, I want my people to feel like they can run with the ball if they need to, and if we need to take five extra minutes, they can. Um, 
That's fine, and I understand that. But you also have a limited amount of time. Time is probably the most precious precious resource of any manager. So my suggestion is you put down a time. You know you've got a limited amount of time, an hour for a meeting. If your meetings are going longer than an hour and a half, even if it's a big project meeting, you're wasting a lot of people's time because you're going to be grossly ineffective after an hour and a half unless you allow time for breaks, which nobody seems to do anymore. Um, But... You put times on there, and you get used to knowing how long it takes various things to be resolved. You're going to be off sometimes, but you're going to be short. You're going to be over on some things and short on others, and usually things work out. Sometimes you have to put things in the parking lot and say, hey, it's been 15 minutes. I thought we could finish in 15 minutes. We can't. We're going to table it. We'll come back to it next meeting. Or we say, this is the most important thing we're doing. Let's cancel the next couple things from our agenda. But you're going to get better and better over time as you iterate the process of figuring out how long various items take. Simple as that. So can you do agendas without times? No, because agendas, by definition, have times on them. Can you have a topic list? Sure. Will you be more effective with times? Yes, you will. Okay, what about, um, what meetings should everyone have? I mean, there's a certain set of meetings. We talked about kind of a kind of meeting protocol in terms of right. daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, annually. What are those? Right. Um, we're going to talk just about those meetings that a manager has related to his or her folks, um, because obviously there are all kinds of meetings you get called to and project meetings and everything else. But if I'm a manager or if I'm a director or a VP, here are the meetings that I will not go through a year without. I'm going to have a daily stand-up with my admin at the start of my day. It's going to be no more than 10 minutes. He or she is going to have a copy of my schedule printed out for each of us. And we're going to walk through what my schedule is, what the conflicts are, what I want to accomplish in those times, where it would be best for her or him to find me. Um, if it's off-site, where I'm going to be, those kinds of things. Uh, and touching base on key things that have to get done that day. Okay. I'm also going to have a weekly staff meeting with everybody who reports to me. It's a mandatory meeting. Uh, I'm rarely going to miss it, and I won't take kindly to people who regularly miss it, although they're going to be on vacation and things like that. The weekly staff meeting probably shouldn't be any longer than 90 minutes. I think you can get it done in an hour, usually. Um, That is mostly a feed-forward meeting. In other words, I'm talking to the team about what's going on, although there will be reports and so on. I'm never going to schedule it on Monday because of Peter Drucker, the greatest management thinker in the world, once said, you can always slow down but you can rarely speed somebody up. If I have a meeting on Monday, I'm slowing everybody down the first thing right out of the bat. So I'm probably going to have it Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. Not going to have it Friday. I know some managers say I want to have it Friday afternoon. That way I can be sure everybody's there at the end of the day. If you've got a problem with people leaving before the end of the day, a meeting is not going to solve (laughs) that problem. No, I don't think so. Yeah. I'm going to have weekly one-on-ones with my folks um, Monday afternoon through Friday morning. Probably leave Friday open so I can reschedule for Friday. Um... Obviously, everybody knows how we feel about one-on-ones. I'm going to have a monthly budget or project meeting, depending upon how big the projects are that we're working on and also our budget. I want people who work for me to know what our budget is, how much we've spent, and how much we have. That's a great way to prepare somebody to take my place. Uh, I'm going to meet quarterly with every single one of my direct reports and probably what amounts to an extended one-on-one, once a quarter again, and they're going to get an annual review as if it had been a whole year. And I'm going to give them a complete rating based on that quarter. And we're going to do that, obviously, three times during the year. And at the fourth and last one, they'll get an actual annual review, and there shouldn't be any surprises there. And the last thing we're going to do is we're going to have an annual performance meeting. Um, you know, maybe an hour, maybe an hour and a half. We're going to talk about what they did and what their salary is and what the future's going to hold. And that's really it. In your experience, are there meetings that you see that people 
should not be having but habitually do? Well, yeah, I, I'll tell you, the vast majority of meetings that I go to in corporations, they shouldn't be having because nobody knows what the meeting's about. They're not really sure what their role is. Um, I can't really come up with a list of, of things. I will tell you, if, if you ask me, cut out meetings that are regularly scheduled that don't work or shorten meetings, which one would I do? I just shorten every meeting that, that everybody has. You know, these two- and three-hour meetings with no breaks, it's it's a travesty. Nothing gets done. Right. Um, well, an agenda would shorten it, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, if you send somebody a three-hour agenda with no breaks, they may not come. Yeah, I don't know that meeting. I would either. Yeah, it's a tough meeting. Yeah. Can you, can you do this, uh, some of the things we've talked about, can you do it if uh, other folks within the larger, broader organization run their meetings differently? Yeah, I absolutely think you can. I mean, if some people say, oh, no, I might upset some people. You know, I think sometimes if you sneeze in some companies, the aversion to risk is such that you sneeze and people are upset. I've worked at clients like that. In fact, clients say, gee, you know, take us on a three-day offsite and and uh, change our culture. And I said, yeah, I can do that. It'll be a billion dollars. Because if I could take the senior leadership offsite of a company and change the entire company's culture, I would charge a billion dollars because it'd be a miracle. Um yeah, a couple of things will happen when you do this. First of all, you will immediately start noting how poorly other meetings are run. No, you don't go around to other managers and poke their finger in their your finger in their eye and say, "Gosh, you run really bad meetings." You might make a suggestion about how it can be more effective. You might ask a question in advance about how much time am I going to have to brief my portion. You may want to ask, "What's the objective of the meeting?" You may want to ask, "Should I even be there?" Or can I send somebody to take my place, which doesn't happen often enough. Um, but essentially, you're going to discover that most meetings are not well run. And if they ask you, if they've been to one of your meetings, how can I do that better? We encourage you to share with them all of our tools and direct them to the podcast, of course. On the other hand, what about people who come to your meetings? Maybe even people who outrank you. That's the fear everybody has. How, would, how, how will that be perceived? Um, what kind of feedback are you going to get? Well, I've seen it happen. Well, I've, I've taught managers this, and we've rolled it out, and it's amazing. People love it. What will happen is people will start coming to your meetings and only your meetings on time, and they'll stay the entire meeting because they know the meeting is going to get done when you say it's going to get done. Um, they're going to take good notes. They're going to um, voice their opinions when necessary because they know they're, you're going to keep everybody from going down rabbit trails because of the use of the parking lot and because of structured agenda times and so on. So there may be a little bit of geez, I, you know, you embarrassed me by starting your meeting on time. But most managers are reasonably intelligent, and they know that um, they don't have much of a leg to stand on to say, gee, you said the meeting was going to start at 2. I showed up at 2.20 because nobody starts meetings on time here, and now I'm embarrassed that you started on time without me. There are so many opportunities to either impress or not impress others around meetings. I mean, that's where you yeah. spend most of your time. So if you want to impress other individuals, managers in the organization are going to have some impact uh, on your career. Uh, meetings is a way to do it. So yep. you run effective meetings, you're going to be in great demand uh, across the organization. Yep. Oh, yeah, you'll get a project if for no other reason than you know how to run meetings. Yeah, yeah. I, and I've seen it before where, where folks have actually asked you to, to actually run the meeting for them. Yep. 
you know, even if you're not in their organization. So right. it can be pretty powerful. Yeah. In fact, if, you, if you're a manager and you get good at running meetings and somebody said, hey, you're really good. Will you facilitate this meeting? Imagine you don't have any vested interest in the content they're talking about over there, but now you're being exposed to a bunch of peers and superiors in another part of the organization, and you're being seen to do something that nobody else seems to be able to do. You're doing it professionally. You're doing it uh, quickly. You're saving them all kinds of time. That can't hurt your career one bit. Yeah, not yeah. at all. Not yeah. at all. Now, how about participating in meetings that you don't run? Now, what are some things that folks can do to be effective uh, in meetings where it's being run a little bit differently and uh, there's not an agenda, but you know you want to participate, be effective? What do you do? Right. Well, I'll tell you, you and I have talked about this. This is a really important, I think it's an underappreciated career enhancement tool. Oh, yeah. For, forget about how to run your own meetings. Let's just talk about the fact that most managers, anybody who's listening to us probably, spends a couple hours, if not four or five hours, every day in meetings. Um, and those meetings routinely are bad. We would love, of course, with manager tools to change the way meetings are run in corporate America. And we can only do that one manager, one subscriber at a time. But for those many meetings that you go to that you don't run, Mike and I have been talking, and we have some suggestions. Some of them we can't get into a great deal of detail because they really talk about how to communicate specific issues. But we've got a little bit more than a top 10 things that you can do to be immediately more effective um, right away. First one is introduce yourself. When you walk into the meeting, you know, be on time, obviously. I, I, guess, I suppose that's a, another one we should add, Mike. Uh, don't walk in late. Be on time. 11 is an odd number, though. You, gotta, yeah, you can right. only have 10, so we're going yeah, to drop right. something. Um, introduce yourself to people. If you look around the room, I don't care if you're an IT manager. I don't care if you're shy. I don't care if that's not your personality. My response is, too bad. Go up, stick out your hand, and say, hi. I don't, we haven't met. I'm Mark Horseman. And, of course, they'll say, oh, hi, and then you'll say, and you are. Um, the person doesn't know that they've been introduced to you when you stick out your hand. Oh, I so, thought you were going to say they didn't know their name. Right. No, no. I've, I've been to meetings like that. They're right. about that bad. Yeah, marketing people. Um, so you introduce yourself. It, it helps relax the meeting. The first time they hear you talk, if you're disagreeing with them, boy, that meeting is going to be tense and ineffective. Second thing related to it, sit with somebody you don't know. Create a new relationship. Reach out to somebody you don't know a little bit. Um it's it really truly is i hate to tell you folks mike and i are both engineers um but mike will tell you a thousand times over he and i both know it it's not what you know it's who you know and it and, sounds and it sounds so bad but it is it i know is so it true. sounds cheesy but it's true well you know actually I, was, I had this conversation with my my son the other day my 18 year old is drove off to college on saturday oh great i'm taking mine next saturday <laughs> so it's a uh, it's you know the wife's tearing up and crying and is a lot of fun <laughs> yeah. but but one of the things i asked him to do and um we've talked about this before mark is learn get to know as many people as you uh -huh. can build relationships with as many people as you can because those are the folks that you're going to meet 20 years down the road and are going to do you a lot of good you know so start start with meetings you know meet, yep. meet somebody new every day i the, the quantity and the quality of particularly the quality of relationship across the organization cannot be overvalued and i i think particularly those folks with a technical background tend to have difficulty with this and i yeah. think we talked about this probably on our yes. first our first podcast but yeah we did it, it for those who are technical and that's that's me i'm an engineer it right. is you have to spend time thinking and actively pursuing the development of relationships because it won't come yep. natural to a lot of those kind of folks. Yep. The only relationships that are natural in organizations are the ones 
with your boss or with, with, with your subordinates because they're required to have a relationship with you. And that's really not a relationship. It's just a reporting structure. Relationships take time. They take quantity and quality of communication. Simple as that. And it starts with sticking out your hand. Okay. Something else. Number three. Um, this is uh, this is something that helps meetings along in addition to improving your effectiveness in your career and so on. When you agree with something, particularly if you have a stake in it, be verbal about it. Speak up. Say, hey, I agree. Um, so often what happens is people say, well, what does everybody think about that? And three quarters of the room says nothing. Now, essentially, they're either agreeing or disagreeing. We don't know. But all too often, if you don't agree, that person's not going to flip around and agree with you when you make a suggestion because nobody's really sure who's in charge of that. And gosh, I don't want to upset anybody. And it seems like the the role of everyone is I don't want to upset anybody. That really shouldn't be the role. The role should be to move the business forward. If you agree with somebody at other's point, whether they asked you to agree or not in advance, you can say, yeah, I agree with that. I think that's a good way to go. Let's try that. Yeah. What you'll find is that four or five other people will jump on board right after you and go, wow, yeah, I agree. You know, definitely. And suddenly you've got consensus, whereas before you got this embarrassing, quiet, and then and then what happens is you go to three or four meetings where everybody's quiet when somebody makes a suggestion, and then people stop making suggestions. You stop being creative, you come up on a couple of big problems, nobody's creative, nobody's making suggestions, and the project fails. Well, I'll tell you, it, it, also in terms of your affecting your own career and how your perceptions of of you, is, it, it, there's, no, there's no quicker way to kind of establish yourself as a non non-player by then just right. sitting there on as a, like a bump on the log and not saying anything meeting after meeting yep. i tell you um if you think you're going to sit in a meeting and not contribute um it'd be quiet and think people aren't talking about you didn't you're wrong you, didn't I, it, your it, boss the cio say that to you once that she felt her job was actually to you know if i don't contribute at meetings i'm dead yeah absolutely she she had in her mind and she's been extremely successful cio of the company i been at and uh, CIO now at a, at a different company who's doing extremely well. Um, but her rule was, I do not go into a meeting without contributing in some fashion. If it's nothing other than, you know, vocally supporting others when they have good ideas. Yeah. But she would not go into a meeting and not and not be heard from. Right. So. Good. Okay. Next, contribute generally. Um Boy, just it's what you said. We don't need to. We don't need to re, you know, repeat it. Um, you need to step up and contribute. You're there for a reason. Speak up, even when you disagree. It's okay. Next on the list, number five, no surprises. Um, and that there are a couple of related points to that. If you're going to bring a, a point to a meeting that may be contentious, if you're going to bring any point to the meeting, and if you're not sure whether it's going to be contentious, you need to pre-brief other people on the points you're going to make. Don't surprise anybody. Don't disagree. Don't do what we call a naked disagreement, which is somebody says, what do you think? And you say no. I mean, it's okay to disagree, but if you know something's going to come up, you should brief people in advance, either on points you're going to make or on briefings that they're going to give. If they send you a PowerPoint and you don't read it and you've had it for a couple of days, I know everybody's swamped with meeting stuff. I would be looking at it in advance and trying to give them some heads up and say, boy, I really think we're off track here. If we can meet further on that, I'd appreciate it. Um, or if you feel like you don't want to make a surprise, you don't want to give them a surprise, but you can work it out separately. Say, no, I think we can go along with this. And then afterwards say, listen, I don't want to surprise you, but it's going to take a little extra effort on our part. Can we meet separately and talk about what that's going to take to make this thing work out? 
Yeah, and this goes a long ways towards Ugh. the building relationships. Yes. You want to ruin a relationship, you know, ambush somebody in a meeting. Yeah. Now, you, you may think you're being effective because it helps you in achieving your specific goals for that meeting. Yeah. But future meetings are going to be a different story. Yeah. In fact, you maybe think you're being effective because you're being truthful. You're speaking truth to power. But it may be hurting a relationship. And so that's why, in the same thing in reverse, you should be lining up support from people when you want agreement for things you're suggesting. Um, and if they bring up objections, this is another point. This is, I think, what is our point seven, I think. When you when you figure out what objections there are as you pre-brief people, be prepared to answer them in the meeting. Now, people are probably saying, gosh, this is a lot of work. Yeah, this is why meetings are done so poorly. It's the reason why people go late and, and, and finish late and they go around and around and around in circles because people aren't doing the work that they're supposed to be doing before and after. Simple as that. Well, and it's a vicious circle. If you want your organization to have more effective meetings, then do less of them. And the yes. only way to do less of them is to make them more effective. Yes. And when you're doing less, you can prepare better. They become more effective in this that whole virtuous circle. Yep. Do meetings back to back to back to back. There, there's not a whole lot of thinking going on prior right. to the meeting, during the meetings. Right. Uh, a couple other things. As you're leaving, as the meeting's done, make another personal contact when you leave. Say goodbye to people. Uh, say, hey, it was nice meeting you to somebody that you hadn't met before. Make sure you shake some hands. Um, now, some people say, well, what if I have to leave early? Well, maybe you shouldn't be leaving early. Um, obviously, if this meeting runs over, usually the beginning of meetings, to me, are more. it's more important to be on time than it is the state of the end. There's some people who disagree with me, Mike, and say, oh, no, everything happens in the last five minutes of the meeting. Well, you know what? If you if you want to create a culture where people go to meetings on time, you need to be willing to leave those meetings that run over at three o'clock five minutes early, so you can go to your three o'clock meeting. Um, but try to make some personal contacts. If the meeting adjourns and you have an opportunity to shake some hands, do so. After the meeting, two points: one, you need to read the minutes if there are minutes taken, and of course, if you're running the meeting, there will be. Um, I like to call them notes rather than minutes. Minutes make it sound so formal like Robert's Rules of Order. But read it and check them and find out if there's anything in there that you agree to that is misrepresented or something that is you, says you're supposed to do it when, in fact, you didn't agree to that. Um, I think that sends a, a nice note that you're being professional about your work. Yeah, and once it's recorded, you know, that's a public commitment. Yeah. Whether you wrote it or not, yep. it's a public commitment. So if they misrepresented your commitment, you don't correct it within a reasonable amount of time. Well, yeah, people are going to assume that You're on you, the you agreed to it. Yeah, yeah. And, and the assumption is that when you put out the minutes, that people are going to read them. So. Yeah. Another thing after a meeting, you don't have to send personal thank you cards, but emails will work just fine. Thanking people. Hey, thanks a lot. You know, appreciate you supporting me on this. Uh, glad I was able to bring up this point or whatever. Brief email to three or four people who who are going to be important to you now and in the future. And then if you disagreed with somebody, I mean, pick up the phone and leave them a voicemail. Hey, listen, I'm sorry there was a little bit of tension about that. I may have been off base or, hey, I'd like to visit with you. Let me buy you a cup of coffee. We can talk further about that and we can solve that problem. As a way of continuing the relationship outside of the meeting so the next time you have to need a favor in their part of the organization, you're not calling them just because you met them one time in a meeting. And that's really it. Now, now, look, some of these things, Mike, we can go into a lot more detail, and we plan to in our in our podcasts on managerial communications and on project management and so on. But we just wanted to touch on some high-level things that some people don't even know that they should be doing, and I think it'll make them more effective pretty quickly. Yeah, absolutely. And I think doesn't that isn't that those aren't all, those are all the questions about meetings, and then we had some questions about that's a one -on another part of yeah. meetings, which is one-on-ones. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, some people had some questions about. 
you know, one-on-ones with non-directs or folks who are dotted line, is that appropriate? And yeah. you know, what are some of the maybe some of the pitfalls associated yeah. with that? Absolutely, it's appropriate. Now, look, you know, you don't want to have one-on-ones with everybody in the organization who's who's one level down from you. But but if you've got a work relationship with somebody that requires regular interaction, uh, if you're sending emails or doing voicemails, you're on a project, for instance, you're managing a project with three or four people who don't report to you, report to other managers, but are contributing to a project that's significant, yeah, I absolutely recommend one-on-ones. And you just add it to the ones you're already doing. And you might say, I don't have enough time, but in fact, it's very, very powerful. It increases the relationship. That's what one-on-ones are all about. Um, And it makes people feel more comfortable. You get more communication, and so you don't get surprised as often when you say, hey, are we green or yellow or orange? And they say, green, orange, or red? And they say, oh, we're red. And finding about that, finding out about that in a one-on-one is way better than finding out about it right before you're supposed to prepare your project status report for your boss. Um, and now, sorry, there, and you, there you are some. Also, go ahead. Well, I say, y'all, before you approach somebody about doing a one-on-one, just just make sure you think a little bit about not only the value you're going to get out of the one-on-one, but the person that's going to invest the time with you is going to want to know what they're going to get out of it. It can't be just a a, a one-sided relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So get some thought about it because the person's going to – they're going to be sitting there evaluating the, the trade-offs of their time and what this means to them. So you you might want to help them understand what the value to them is. Yeah. And, and, and you know, you would do that with a normal one-on-one. You'd go to your folks and say, hey, listen, I want to get to know you better. I want to talk to you about what's going on with you. I want to get an update, and the primary focus is on you. And that should be the same. This is not a status meeting. It's a one-on-one as if they reported to you. And if they want to talk for 20 minutes about their family, that's okay. Um, yours, Your time is going to be a little bit more focused. And I do recommend in some cases, because you're not responsible for the career, that unless they bring it up, you could probably do two 15-minute sections in this one-on-one. 15 minutes for them, 15 minutes for you. Or you could do ten minute, two 10-minute sections and make it only 20 minutes long, although inevitably it seems like people are a couple minutes late. And five, being five minutes late to a 20-minute meeting makes it very hard to have an effective 20-minute meeting. Um, Although okay. most people don't schedule that tightly. Um, we, we had a great story somebody shared with uh, yeah. a story oh, about a franchise. One, yeah, one other thing I want to mention about this, though, before we get to the franchisee story, Mike, is that you may have to touch base with their boss. You, you may have to say to them, hey, listen, you know, if the, the boss may give you some feedback, hey, I hear you're wanting to meet with Bob once a week. What's that all about? Hey, listen, we're on a project together. I just found it's more effective. I do this all the time. It really helps communication and so on. And if they, if they push a little bit, you can say, listen, let's just try it for a month. You know that'd be two. That'd be two hours. Four one-on-ones that last thirty minutes is a total of two hours. That's two hours over the course of the next month. This project is pretty important. You and I have both been in meetings that went for two hours that nothing got done. Surely we can devote you know a half an hour once a week to this. And if they're still pushing back in a month, then have another meeting with the boss. So okay, now that franchisee story is a great story. One of our subscribers sent us a note saying that he had adopted one-on-ones. He'd been looking for a way to talk to his folks. And he immediately got great responses. Now, he's a manager for a national restaurant chain. He owns, he's not a manager, he owns them. Uh, he has his general managers, his store managers, meeting with him on a weekly basis. And uh, he enjoyed it so much that when his franchisee representative, the person who he ostensibly reports to that, that uh, is a manager for the franchise corporation, um, he told her about it and said, I'd like to start having weekly, weekly meetings with you didn't really call him one-on-ones. He said, I'd like to have a weekly communication meeting with you, and I want to share with you what's going on in my stores, and I want to hear from you what's going on. And at first, she was a little bit taken aback, 
Um, but in the first meeting was so pleased with how it went. She, for the first time, shared with him what her goals were in terms of meeting corporate bonus targets and performance targets. And he said in the middle of the meeting, he says, gosh, I didn't know that before, but if those are your targets, then those should be mine and I'll support that. And it totally changed their relationship. Was it a one-on-one? Not exactly because she wasn't really running it, running it, but it was a weekly meeting with his quote, boss, unquote, if you will, um, that made an enormous difference in terms of their communication and communication is one of the biggest levers we have for performance. Yeah. I wonder who's going to get the uh, support next time there's, uh, some resources that need to be divvied out amongst the amongst the franchisees in a particular area. Yeah, I don't know how many times I've told people, if you don't have one-on-ones, you're not building your relationship. If you don't have a great relationship, when you go to the well to ask for something special, you're going to be told no. Because always going to the well is a function of how deep their relationship is. So, what's next? Okay. Um, so, you know, somebody asked about note-taking. About Do you, do you require your folks to take notes during the one-on-ones? Yeah, the, the answer is no, I don't. Um, and I don't suggest anybody else require it. But this person said you made a comment to the effect of this person uh, in, in the previous podcast of, well, you, you don't have any note, you know, you have to make a note about this. No, I, I don't require note taking, but it's almost impossible to go through a good one on one without taking some notes. Um, so, um, no, I don't require it. If somebody routinely comes to one on ones, doesn't take notes, and then drops the ball, I could use that to give them feedback. Hey, when you don't take notes and then you drop the ball, here's what happens. I begin to think that maybe you need to start taking notes. <laughs> um, what can you do differently next time? But no, I don't require it. Most people do it. I absolutely don't require it on a one-on-one form, but probably 75% of the managers that I have taught this to, they have their folks, they suggest it, and their folks use the exact same form just because it's easiest. You know, a person who says they're organized and has 30 uh, um, yellow stickies on their desk is kidding themselves. They're not organized. All right. Well, okay, so you encourage, you know, so people take notes. Like I want to take notes during my one-on-ones, right? So now you, you've seen my handwriting; it's it's yep. awful, right? So I right. so I type everything. I don't I don't write at all. So right. so uh, so taking notes, you know, typing my notes during one-on-one should be fine, right? Nope. I wish it was because I'm like you. My note, my handwriting is not that good. But we find an enormous difference in the emotional response of people to bosses who type notes during the one-on-ones. In fact, I had one person look around a PC once and say, are you doing email? Because that's what they see computers is for, is email. So I know you all don't like your handwriting. I know you say you can type faster. And I was very nice when I answered this person's email, but I said, no, I wouldn't recommend it. There are too many pitfalls. I'm not suggesting your handwriting is legible, but you should be able to read your own handwriting, and nobody else should be reading these notes anyway. Um, so no, we don't recommend it. Okay, so I know I'm I know we're gonna get this this question because I don't know why, but I've heard more topics about um, notepads. No, not notepads. Template uh, tablets. Tablet PCs. All right. Yeah. I heard more talk about tablet PCs in the last three weeks than I've heard. Yeah. In the previous three years. So. Yep. What if I have a tablet PC? It's flat, right? We, you know, our friend Michael, another Michael. Right. has a tablet PC. He lays it out on his desk, he gets his stylus out, and he uses that. Does that count? No, I think it'd be okay. I think if you showed people what you were doing, I think it'd be okay. I think if you spend a lot of time saying, hold on, let me get to that form, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da, if you start using the PC as a way to connect to the network and to show people stuff, I, I just I generally don't recommend it. It reduces, and I, I'm sorry to use this word, but it's a powerful word, it reduces the intimacy of the conversation. 
Yeah. Would I do it? Yeah, if I'd try it and see what happened. And if I got a, a, a non-negative response, I'd keep doing it if it saved me a lot of time. I will tell you, though, I do not think there is a great deal of value to having these documents electronic. I just don't. I'd be happy to have somebody tell me differently, but searching through stuff, I can do it just as fast flipping pages back and forth because one-on-ones are not supposed to be an enormous record of all kinds of important detailed stuff that you should be able to cross-reference. You should be able to go back three or four weeks and that's about it. Yeah, I think we should check on stuff. I think we should make a, a commitment to our listeners though that use tablet P's and there's some folks that are using them and pretty adamant about them. So yeah. I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll do a little bit of experience. If you send Mark and I a tablet PC yeah, <laughs> we'll we'll be glad to to try it during our one on ones and give you some feedback as to how we, well we works. have friends at Dell. Maybe we can convince them. Maybe they'll listen to the podcast and uh, our subscribers at Dell will listen to it and say, "Yeah, let's get these guys a, a tablet PC and see what they think." That's good. Okay, if anybody has friends that that yeah. work at Dell and they'd like to listen yeah. to a good podcast or management, send it. Send, send it to them. Send them to this one. Or IBM. We'll take IBM or Toshiba too. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah, if we had to. Yeah. yeah right. No. I can't believe I said that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what am I thinking? Yes. So, um, good. Okay. You know, so, so type notes, no. Handwriting, yes. And we should expect a tablet PC in the yes, mail in the, the next couple of days. Okay. And then the last question we had was, you know, how, 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 is it okay if I task my people to bring me some reports during the one-on-one and then brief me during their portion or, or be prepared to answer my questions during my portion of the one-on-one. And it's kind of a delicate answer, but my answer was a, a gentle no. I don't recommend that. It depends a lot on the manager, Mike. If you're a really warm and fuzzy kind of manager, if you're really well-liked, if you're approachable, if you have a great relationship with your folks, and you want to use this because there are a couple of reports that really are terribly indicative of this person's work for you, a good example would be like the restaurant business and, and you have a manager reporting to you. Yeah, you might be able to get away with it. But I have found there's some negatives. First of all, every time somebody says, hey, listen, get, bring me that report, it's never as easy just to bring the report. You have to print the report. You have to look for misspellings. You've got to update the data and so on. And sometimes the data is not there and you've got to go into the system and finagle it. Even the best ERP program still have little glitches in their report report generation software, if you will. Um, so it's never that easy. And then you've got to print it out, and you've got to make it look good because of your boss, and then you've got to prepare to answer questions about it. And then the one-on-one suddenly becomes another briefing you're giving your boss. And so I just think that that may take away the real underlying value of a one-on-one. Yeah, I probably feel strong, stronger than you you do on this. So I, I, I don't say a, a gentle no. I'd say an absolute... No, I, I don't think it's. Okay. A, I don't think it's a one-on-one anymore. I think it, yeah, it's, a, it's okay. a very, very different meeting, and you yeah. know, we'd be careful to start. Um, you know, sheep and wolves clothing is yeah doesn't work terribly well. And what happens? You know what I think this is a function of people saying, "Okay, now this works. Let's make it better." You know what? This is about communication and relationships. There's nothing more about making it better other than continuing to communicate and deepening the relationship. Yeah, and I, more one-on-ones with no real changes in them, but a deepening of your relationship with people is the way that you make them better. Yeah, and I, and I haven't seen a lot of relationships really deepen. You know, looking at a, a you know, twenty pages of green bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah just, good point. You know, Mike, uh, you you swayed me. I agree. The answer is no. What else? That was it. Okay, that was it. 
I, can, I, can I just say something here? We've gotten a lot of very nice comments from people saying, keep it up, great podcast. We have a fellow in England that's listed us up there with IT Conversations is one of his, you know, one of his podcasts that he absolutely downloads, subscribes to. He really, really, really likes yeah, it. And if you haven't listened to Interrupt. IT Conversations, you got to listen to it. What's the, yeah, IT Conversations. Awesome. Not, not really for HR people, great for technical people. I mean, fabulous. Um, I just want to encourage people to, to recommend us to their friends. We have done almost no marketing, not, well, no, none, in the past six to eight weeks. Um, and yet we're getting thousands of downloads. Um, and um, we would just like to encourage people to share us with as many people as possible. The more people who hear this message, the better your organization is going to be. That's it. Good. I think we just marketed. Yeah. That's about as far as we'll probably get. Right. All righty, Mark. We'll talk to Thanks, you later. Thanks, Mike. Bye. Take care. Have a good night. Thanks for joining us for this week's edition of Manager Tools, and we hope to see you again next week. In the meantime, if you have any feedback for us, you can send it to show at manager-tools.com, or you can go to our website at www.manager-tools.com and just leave us comments there. So until next week, have a great one.